Welcome to the ESI podcast series. We are so grateful that you could join us today and we hope that you will enjoy this episode. Make sure to follow us on our Spotify account and don't forget to turn on your notification bells so that you are aware of when we post new episodes. Enjoy. We are so excited to be bringing this project to you and to finally have this first episode published uh, for you to listen to. And it's going to be quite a jam-packed episode. Today we're talking about recovery and honestly, I cannot wait for the discussion to pop off. Um, with me today uh, to navigate through this topic of recovery is Dr. Peggy Chiwara, who is an academic lecturer in the Department of Social Work and Criminology at the University of Pretoria. Her research focuses on social, environmental and economic justice for communities, mainly in Namibia and South Africa. She has published multiple articles, including her latest one, Multidimensional Poverty and Informal Settlements in Bindook, Namibia, and Orange Farm, South Africa, of which that article we will make available to you on all our platforms. Uh, Dr. Chawara, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. How are you doing? Uh, are you excited about this discussion we're going to be having? Thank you for having me, Yanga. It is indeed a a great honor to engage you in this groundbreaking podcast and a very good day to all our listeners. And yes, as you have said, my name is uh, Dr. Peggy Chiwara. I'm a social worker, researcher and academic in the, in the Department of Social Work and Criminology at the University of Pretoria. And I have a particularly keen interest in the macro level structural issues affecting uh, South Africa, and especially as they relate to social welfare and to the social economic well-being of those that have been left behind. And yes, my academic publications that you have highlighted, they actually um, speak uh, to these macro level issues affecting people in South Africa. Oh, fantastic. I think then, Doc, you're going to be the perfect person to talk to us today about recovery and to unpack this uh, topic. But before we get into our discussion, just for our listeners, to give you a bit of context, the Secretary General of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, called for 2022 to be the year of recovery for everyone in response to high levels of poverty and inequality ongoing conflict divisions and continued threats related to the COVID-19 pandemic. While the world continues to struggle to move past the pandemic and return to some source of normality, there's also been a great sense of loss, loss of time, loss of lives, loss of livelihoods. And so then calling for recovery cannot bring back what has been lost, but there is a need to start rebuilding and improving lives. It is within that context that this discussion is going to take off today. Um, Doctor, I just want to ask you, for you, what does recovery mean uh, according to your expertise? Um, I'm actually glad that we are engaging in this conversation on recovery as a country and what we need to be doing to start rebuilding post-COVID-19. This is exactly what all sectors of the South African society should be doing right now from the government, civil society, the business, as well as all of South Africa's residents, both young and old. 
as recovery starts with conversations like this, whereby we engaged uh, various stakeholders in envisioning a better and sustainable South Africa where no one is left behind. And thereafter, translating what we've brainstormed into deliberate strategies and mechanisms that promote recovery for everyone. Now back to what does recovery mean? You know, I've worked as a medical social worker, so I'm quite familiar with the term recovery, as it has to do with the process of returning to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. And when we look at South Africa, recovery necessitates that we first ask ourselves, what are we recovering from? And we therefore need to dig deeper and explore the issues that underlie the impact of COVID-19 um, on the nation. And um, I know we're great to talk about how do people recover from, from loss. Because um, asking this, um, we asking ourselves what are we recovering from is vitally important. For instance, uh, the measures that one takes to recover um, from, for instance, a common cold are quite different from the recovery that is needed to recover from a malignant uh, condition. So now, when we ask, what are we recovering from in South Africa? You know, it is a very complex issue in that, in the, in the fact that South Africa has yet to reach that normal state of health, mind, and strength that underpins the general definition of recovery. And that, at the same time, inspired the country's hard-won political struggles for emancipation. And I'll explain this in a moment. Um, this is owing to the inherited legacy of inequality, of poverty, as well as the contemporary neoliberal development processes coupled with deeply entrenched levels of corruption that promotes the interests of a few individuals at the expense of the well-being of all people. So what COVID-19 has simply done is to expose and exacerbate the challenges that we were already facing as a nation uh, prior to the pandemic. Uh, it is a well-known fact that South Africa is the highest levels of inequality in the world. Although this is highly unacceptable, this is unfortunately the norm as we speak. So as such, um, the deeply entrenched inequalities of opportunity and of outcome, they actually impact on the life chances of many poor women, children, and men in South Africa. So, these are the issues that we should be exploring when we talk about recovery. Let's, I know you, you were interviewed um, the other time on ENS, ENCA um, mm. because you had an opinion piece on the poor quality education in South Africa. Yeah. Yes. So poor quality education, 
dispartial divides, high levels of corruption, unemployment, poverty, and hunger, they remain widely manifest in South Africa. And mm. if you look at South Africa, it's um, a net food importing country, uh, exporting country that produces enough food that is enough to feed one and each one and every one of its citizens. Yes, yet millions of children and families in South Africa still goes back to, to bed hungry. And unfortunately, one cannot recover from the damage that is caused by stunted growth. Therefore, certain levels of damage are irreparable. So in envisioning recovery, we need to start by identifying the difference of the different areas where recovery is needed. And then we also need to look at the shape and form that recovery should take in building a better South Africa. Um, I think you, you've already touched on um, kind of like the tugged nuance between how do people actually recover from the loss? Uh, do we pretend yeah. that this never happened and we just move forward? Or do we have to dig deeper than that? And I think within the context of South Africa, we're a little bit on the latter, right? Because as you just said, the COVID-19 pandemic revealed uh, far more inequalities than that our state perhaps might have wanted to deal with. Um, Absolutely. And so, the, and so I, I think, Doc, I just want to go back to what you had said a bit earlier about uh, the nature and the core of recovery is this idea of returning back to normalcy. Uh, in the case of South Africa, one is almost hesitant to say that we want to return back to normalcy because even within normalcy, um, there were still entrenched inequalities, there was still entrenched poverty. And it's almost as if now that has gotten even worse. Um, and so I think uh, that the question I want to ask you now is how do we uh, recover with the wounds that we have from pre-COVID times, with the wounds that we carried now during COVID-19 and um, perhaps looking to what can we do in the future um, when COVID-19 has become uh, the normalcy? What do you think? No, absolutely. As I have indicated, the country is yet to reach that normal, that sense of normalcy owing to inherited le um, mm. legacies of apartheid that impact the lives of ordinary citizens in manifestly tangible ways. So in order to facilitate this recovery, we can perhaps ask what should our leaders be doing in terms of uh, facilitating this recovery? And we yes. also need to look at what we should be doing as ordinary citizens in mm. facilitating this recovery. When we look at um, our leaders, um, for instance, we, we know first and foremost, South Africa has got a very progressive constitution that upholds the civil, political, social, and economic rights of all people. And in line with this, it is a fact that the country has adopted various um, pro-poor strategies that reflect its um, commitment to ending poverty and improving the standards of living of all people. And it is also a fact that uh, these policies are um, also being implemented 
in a neoliberal um, development paradigm that also promotes austerity paid measures and cutbacks cut in social welfare expenditure. And this actually has a detrimental impact on the uh, level of support and resources that are available to end and eradicate poverty. And in terms of um, operationalizing uh, these pro-poor strategies that the country has adopted, I see that um, there is a challenge in terms of implementing this, uh, the policies so that they are able to reach and benefit those who are the most vulnerable and the most left behind. So there's need um, for our leaders to genuinely consult here and respect the people's voices at the grassroots level and to provide left behind and dissenting voices the opportunity to influence policies, programs, and strategies that are meant to realize human dignity and the rights of all people. As, and this is opposed to engaging uh, these communities uh, as a matter of tokenism. So we need to really genuinely consult and engage those that are left behind. And our leaders also, they need um, to work towards regaining and maintaining the trust of the, of the people, of the populace by actually, you know, there's this thing of uh, practicing what they, they, they preach. So they need to set an example in terms of adopting values and practices that actually speak to a world where no one is left behind. Mm, mm, and so then I look at individuals mm, in terms yeah. of what can individuals be doing in terms of initiating recovery. Is um, I have earlier alluded to, recovery is a process. It does not happen overnight. So we actually need to be patient with ourselves as a nation and be it intentional and deliberate in initiating recovery because recovery will not happen on its own without deliberate measures and, and strategies. You've also alluded to the fact that COVID-19 has been a pandemic of losses. People have lost their livelihoods, they've lost their freedom of movement, they've lost loved ones and you cannot reclaim or regain back the, the lives that were lost under COVID-19. And people also lost their sense of security, their sense of stability, and there were tragic, uh, drastic changes caused to our normal daily routines, to the fact that we actually lost our sense of normalcy. So collectively, people are um, experiencing a lot of grief as a result of the pandemic. And we should acknowledge the fact that grief is a normal response to loss. Therefore, instead of inhibiting ourselves from grieving, we actually need to collectively acknowledge and talk about our grief and our losses as this will facilitate healing and recovery.
we also need, there have been also amazing stories of resilience and courage, solidarity and Ubuntu that came out of COVID. So we need to be able to share such stories and encourage each other as a nation. I also know that as South Africans, um, we are very gifted and creative. So we need to use our creative abilities in order to find innovative ways of generating income and building a better South African society. Um, I'm so glad that you've touched on the different parties that can play a role in this recovery. Um, I'm glad that you alluded that the responsibility of recovery doesn't just fall on our leaders, but there's a role that we also have to play as individuals to get to a point of uh, recovery. Um, and I think that's just so, so, so profound and very important at the time that we're in today. Um, I think maybe the question I'm going to ask now is a little bit controversial, uh, but risky asking it near the end of the session. Um, it, within the situation of the leaders um, having responsibility to facilitate this recovery, um, I think um, within the South African light, a lot of people have got a bit of a dim view and a negative view of those leaders' capabilities and abilities to facilitate that recovery, given the enormous volumes of corruption and continued breaking of trust. Um, yes. And so I think maybe how, how do you think the leaders can overcome uh, that, that hurdle and that obstacle to ensure that that recovery is seen through and through? Yes, um, I've actually tagged on it um, in passing. I mentioned that our leaders, they need to work at regaining the trust that has been lost. And not only to regain it, but to maintain that trust. By setting an example, um, in terms of their, their lifestyles, they, they should be lifestyles that are exemplary. And uh, corruption is an issue that is highly endemic in South African society. We need mm. to see, you know, leaders being brought to account, being brought to book yeah. for, for corrupt practices and tendencies. For as long as our leaders are implicated in corruption and no, um, the rule of law seems not to apply to them, mm. then we have a challenge. So we mm. need our criminal justice system really to be strengthened so that it will be in that position of bringing guilty parties to account, no matter what political party they belong to, no matter what um, social status or economic status they have. So these are some of the changes that I believe will be able to facilitate that regaining of trust in our nation's leaders. So yes, as um, I've mentioned again, they need to practice what they preach. We need to see those actions being um, taken to really show that the country is a serious commitment to rooting out corruption. 
All right, everybody, you heard it right here that uh, recovery goes beyond the economic measures. It's recovery that has to do with you as an individual, that has to do with our political system, the justice system. Uh, what's the point of us having such a beautiful constitution if the yeah. policies are not going to uphold to what it promises? Um, there's so much more that we could talk about on this topic, but unfortunately, we will have to end it here for today. Uh, Dr. Chawana, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciated your insight. Uh, if you have any last uh, words to say to our viewers, now is the moment. I, all I want to say is that COVID-19 has exposed and exacerbated the challenges that we're already facing as a nation. So recovery, whether from COVID-19 or from the legacies of apartheid, is a process that requires all sectors and all people to really pull together in the same direction in envisioning and building a better society where no one is left behind. Thank you so much, Yanga, for your time. I love it. Where no one is left behind. That is exactly where we want to see ourselves in terms of recovery. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to our podcast today. Be sure to follow our page over here on Spotify. And don't be scared to give us a rating and let us know what you think about our channel. Otherwise, we'll see you all next time. Thank you so much for joining in and listening. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you would like to know more information about ESI Press, head on over to our website at esipress.up.ac.za. Emerging Scholars Initiative is a platform dedicated to encouraging young scholars generate a wider interest in their research. See you next time.